Funding for this class is provided by Benjamin Arieh and family in loving memory of Raphael, son of Chacham Rabbi Chia. Many important things happen in prayer. Many essential things that only happen in prayer. We fulfill many essential mitzvot. The mitzvah to love Hashem is a mitzvah to love Hashem. And it's not just one of the 613 mitzvot. The mitzvah to love Hashem, as the Rebbe says in Tanya in the fourth chapter, is the source of all the other mitzvot. Because when you love Hashem, that's the motivation to do all the mitzvot. Because you want to connect with Hashem. So without the love for Hashem, all the mitzvot dry up. Then it just becomes by rote, mechanical, lifeless, soulless, joyless. Where does this mitzvah happen? Where exactly, when during the day are you fulfilling the mitzvah of loving Hashem? When you're sitting in the, by the Talmud and studying Talmud, you're not fulfilling the mitzvah of loving Hashem. The only time that, and place that this happens is during prayer. The mitzvah to be in awe of Hashem, to be in reverence of Hashem. The mitzvah to unify Hashem. The mitzvah to believe in Hashem, the mitzvah to know Hashem. When else are we doing this? The only time, the space to do this is prayer. So during prayer we are fulfilling so many essential mitzvot that are central to a Jew's life. Which is why prayer is so central. It's not just another religious duty, mechanical duty. This is essential. We have an argument between Maimonides and Nachmanides, a classical argument. Are we biblically obligated to pray every day? Maimonides holds, is of the opinion, that it's one of the 613 mitzvot, mitzvah 433, Parsha Shaftim, it's a mitzvah to serve Hashem, it's a mitzvah to pray. Every day, we're obligated to pray. And prayer consists of, you praise Hashem, you ask Hashem for your needs, and you thank Hashem. Biblically, you fulfill this mitzvah, and men and women are obligated equally. There's no, it's not a time-bound mitzvah. Every day you're obligated to pray. How do you fulfill this mitzvah? Everyone in their own words fulfills this mitzvah. You can do it once a day in your own words and you've done the mitzvah. The rabbis instituted, they institutionalized the prayers that it should be three times a day. That's rabbinic. But biblically you fulfill the mitzvah just by praying. Nachmanides strongly disagrees. And he says there's no biblical mitzvah to pray. The whole prayer is rabbinic. Now, most, most halachic authorities hold that there is a mitzvah to pray when you have a need. If there's a need, then you have a mitzvah to pray. But there's no mitzvah to pray every day. You would think Maimonides is the philosopher, the rational philosopher. Nachmanides is the mystic par excellence. So Maimonides is the one that says it's a biblical commandment to pray every day. Nachmanides was the mystic par excellence and the whole mysticism is centered on focus and prayer and meditation. As the Mishnah says, the early uh, Tanoim, the early rabbis would pray nine hours a day. Each prayer, in the morning prayer, the afternoon prayer, evening prayer, each prayer took them three hours. One hour of preparation, one hour of prayer, and one hour f- to allow the prayer to sink in. 
Nine hours a day they spent praying. As it says in the tour, for them prayer was almost like a prophetic experience, a mystical experience. So how is it that Nachmanides, who's the mystic, mystic, mystic par excellence, he's the one who says prayer is only rabbinic. And my Maimonides holds it, it's biblical. So the Al-Turabi explains, no, it's just the, on the contrary. Nachmanides is not minimizing prayer. Nachmanides is explaining to us that prayer is so essential that you can't even call it a biblical commandment. Because a biblical commandment is a detail. There are 248 limbs, so there are 248 command, commandments, positive mitzvah, corresponding to each limb. Prayer is so essential to a Jew, it's like the, the spine. The spinal cord. The spinal cord is not an organ. But the spinal cord is essential. That's what connects the brain to the rest of the body. The nerve system, the command and control center, the brain sends out its signals, all its electrical signals via the spinal cord, through the spine. So what Nachmanides is really saying, and this argument with Nachmanides is not that, oh, prayer is not so essential, it's not a big deal, you don't have to pray every day, it's not that biblically, it's only rabbinic. No, what he's t- saying, he's arguing with Nachmanides, is how could you say it's a mitzvah? You, by saying it's a biblical mitzvah, you're minimizing prayer. You're saying it's a mitzvah, it's like any other mitzvah, it's a detail, it's, a, it's more than a mitzvah. This is the spinal cord. This is the backbone, that, the spine that upholds the whole, the whole organism. If you remove the spine, you remove the spinal cord, you have nothing. The whole organism collapses. Prayer is so essential. It's not a detail. Because this is our connection with Hashem. This is our consciousness. This is our response to Hashem. This is our awareness. This is everything. It's not the detail. And that's why it's so central. It's, that's how we service Hashem. That's how we're servicing Hashem. And by servicing Hashem, this is what motivates us to do the Torah, to study Torah, to do the mitzvah, to do Jewish, speak Jewish, act Jewish. So this is core and essential. That's why you can't minimize it and just make it into a mitzvah. The image of prayer is Yaakov was Yaakov's dream the ladder in Jacob's dream Jacob was praying and the ladder in Jacob's dream the ladder that connected heaven and earth and the angels went up the ladder and then the angels went down the ladder and the commentaries ask it makes no sense angels are coming from heaven so first the angels should have gone down the ladder and then they go back up. How could angels first go up and then go down? So Rashi gives his explanation. But the deeper, the mystical explanation is because this ladder is the ladder, is prayer. Prayer is the ladder that connects heaven and earth. When a Jew prays, the angels elevate our prayer to the heavens. And then the angels are the messengers that bring Hashem's response back down to earth. That's why first the angels go up and then the angels go down. And this ladder, a ladder, a proper ladder is made up of four, four rungs. 
So, so too in prayer, you have different levels of prayer. You have the four rungs of the prayer. The first rung, which is firmly planted on the ground, the, the basic level of prayer is, literally, I'm petitioning. I'm requesting my needs. That's the mitzvah of prayer. The request. Your needs from Hashem. And this is the central meaning of prayer. That when you pray, it's like the king allows his subjects to come and petition him. Which is an amazing thing. Hashem allows us to speak to him. And Hashem really cares about what's on our heart, what's in our mind, what we, what we need, what we're lacking. He allows us to come to Him, petition, to speak to Him directly. And for a Jew to realize that my life depends on Hashem and that everything I have comes from Hashem. And therefore, whatever I need, where do I go to? Of course, I have to go to the doctor and I have to speak to my financial consultant because the Torah says you have to act responsibly. But first and foremost, who do I talk to? First and foremost, I daven to Hashem. Jacob prepared for all three things. He prepared, he acted naturally. He prepared for battle with his brother Esau. He prepared a gift. But then he prayed. Because first and foremost, a Jew prays. Because knowing that my life is in the hands of Hashem, and whatever I need, I can turn to my Father in Heaven and speak to Him directly and openly. And He's listening. And He cares. And He knows. And He's aware. And He's waiting. He desires our prayers. That's the, that's the first basic essential meaning of prayer. Simple. How do we know what we need? <laughs> If it's a need for you, it could be a simple physical need, then it's a need for you. Maybe in the scheme of things you think it's not important, but if it's important to you, then it's important to Hashem. Hashem says if if it bothers you, and if it's a need that you have, then Hashem says, talk to me. Can't you be mistaken about what you really need? Yes, there is such a concept, and... You know, sometimes Hashem will do us a favor and not answer, not give us what we ask because He knows it's not good for us. <laughs> we think we need it and we think we must have it. And Hashem says, no, no, not a good idea. <laughs> but Hashem is listening. Don't forget, sometimes the answer is yes and sometimes the answer is no. It doesn't mean just because we have a right to petition Hashem and we have this privilege to talk directly to Hashem, it doesn't mean that He must always answer us <laughs> He answers us, and sometimes the answer is no. That's also an answer. But he's listening, and he's taking us very seriously, and he cares about us. So that's the essential, that's the ground level. That's the foundation. Then we go to the next rung. The word prayer comes from the word pilel, which means to judge. Because prayer is really a time of self-evaluation to do a little accounting, to do a little honest self-judgment. You know, we are so proud of ourselves. We are so smug and content and self-satisfied and self-righteous. And, and, you know, in a time when you're asking Hashem 
when you're asking Hashem for something, it's time to ask ourselves honestly, wait a minute, do I really deserve this? How is my behavior? I better get my act together. I'm asking Hashem to change something for me. Very nice. But are we willing to change something for Hashem? So it's a time. That's why the expression is Hamit Palel. If you know Hebrew, it doesn't make sense. Hamit Palel means something that's happening to you. I'm praying to Hashem. It should say Vayifalel, not Hamit Palel. Because the root of the word, Tefillah, is to judge. Yes, I am judging myself. Which also explains why prayer helps. If it was decreed in heaven that you shouldn't get this, everything that happens comes from, directly from Hashem. So what are you praying for? And how could prayer help? But the answer is because I'm not the same person after the prayer that I was before the prayer. This decree in heaven was against... That's not the same me. That's my old self. But this is a different self. Much wiser. Much better self. So the decree was against the old self. Not against this, my new self. So it's up to us. We take responsibility. We take responsibility for ourselves, for our lives, for our behavior. We don't blame this one, the other one. We take responsibility and we make a decision that we're going to change. So it's a time of... So prayer is a very time to really focus on yourself. Again, prayer is our response to Hashem. It's from the bottom up. It's human language. It's our, what are we going to do about ourselves? It's very subjective. It's very personal. So what am I bringing to the table? What am I doing? What am I changing? So that's the second level. It's the next step. Then comes the next step. The rabbis call prayer avoid the service. Avoid the also means hard work. Because prayer is when you're able to shape and to mold and to change. Human nature is very rough. We are like diamonds in the rough. How do you get from rough hide? to a fine, silky leather. You know how hard it is to take rough, raw hide and turn it into fine leather? You have to work so hard. God creates this world with all the natural resources that we need. But to take those natural resources and to get something fine... You want a car. You know how hard it is to take metal and shape it into a car? To get, get this car? You know, you, you know what a process you have to go through? God gave us all the potential. He, we're born with all the potential. The diamond is there. The potential is there. But to get to that, to realize that potential, to shape and mold, that's prayer. If there's no fire, nothing can change. Like the famous uh, parable of the Baal Shem Tov, that this uh, ironsmith had, a, had an apprentice. And he learned the trade. And he felt that he knew enough. Now he can open up shop in his own. So he goes home. Nothing is working. He's using the hammer and trying to shape and mold. Nothing is happening. He runs back to his master. And he says, what happened? 
says, you forgot one minor detail. Where's the fire? <laughs> you can't change metal unless first you have to put it in the fire. You have to melt it. You have to soften it. Human nature is very harsh. Our egocentrism, our selfishness and self-absorption, it's very harsh. It's so hard to change. We know how difficult it is even to lose one pound. <laughs> it's so hard to change. So without prayer, we don't even, we don't even, we don't even have a prayer. <laughs> we don't stand the chance. But in the heat of the prayer, you can work the field, like a field. The field has the potential to grow, but to get that, you have to work very hard. To get a piece of bread, you have to plow the field, and you have to sow, and you have to water it. There's so much you have to do to get to a piece of bread. It doesn't just happen. To get to the diamond, you have to dig and you have to mine. It's, it's tremendous. It's hard work. To become a mensch, to menstrual out, it's such hard work. And people today, contemporary, talk about love. It's enough to give you the goosebumps. They don't even know what love looks like if it stares them in the face. You think it's so easy to love? You know how difficult it is to love? Genuine love, selfless love. Genuine kindness. You know how much you have to work on yourself? You know, you can't have two bodies in the same place. How can I love someone else? His ego or her ego gets in the way of my ego. There's no love. I I don't love. I'm using you. I'm not loving you. I love ice cream. Yeah, that's the love that people have today. 12-year-old adolescent uh, concept of love. And that's what people are taught. This is love. Yeah, this is, this is childish. This is not love. You don't know what love looks like. Genuine love, it's work. It's hard work. You have to reshape. You have to, you have to change your nature, work on your nature. It's something you can aspire to, something you have to work on. Where is the time and place to achieve this? It's in prayer. It's only in prayer when you're able to reorient yourself. And you're able to learn to rise above our egocentrism. And you're able to learn to love Hashem. And then you're able to learn to genuinely love another human being. If you don't have the love of Hashem in your heart, it's impossible to truly love another human being. Impossible. It's completely delusional. What you call love is loving your ice cream. It's not love. It's a totally selfish love. It has nothing to do with love. It's lust. It's not love. It's cravings. It's not genuine love or hunger. But that's very... That doesn't come naturally. It's something that you really have to work on. Naturally, a person wants everything. And a person wants to live a life without any impulse control. And you have to learn that, no, it's not a healthy thing. I want everything. And you have to have impulse control. And it's a contradiction in terms, as the rabbis say. You can't love Hashem and love materialism at the same time. Love is like fire. Something has to give. In order for fire to burn, in order to transform the material into energy, matter into energy, the, the matter has to give itself up. Something has to give. If you remain rigid and unyielding and unchanging... You cannot unleash that energy. You can't release that potential. You can't 
realize that love. So to genuinely love, the service of the heart, to love deeply and to love genuinely, it's, it's a lifetime of work. And that's why we have to focus every day on davening. And then comes the fourth level. The highest level. The word, the root of the word tefillah comes from the word connection. To connect. It's a time when we connect with Hashem. We connect with godliness. At a time when we become centered, focused, and we consciously connect with the reality of Hashem. It's a time when we become intimate with Hashem. And we can experience Godliness. And that's why prayer is something that we do every day. And we say the same prayer every day. How many times can you say the same thing over and over and over and over again? Thousands and thousands. It's so predictable. I know exactly what I'm going to say next. And that's the difference between prayer and Torah. The mitzvah of studying Torah is every day you have to learn something new. You have to advance. Your mind is curious. Your mind, you, have, you need new information. Constantly learn something new. Prayer is the exact opposite. I'm not learning anything new. It's the exact same prayer, word for word. It's like the difference between singing and speaking. If the rabbi is going to say the same sermon again, you're ready to fire him. <laughs> but your favorite song, you can hear a thousand times. And the thousandth time, it's just as exciting as the first time. Because singing, speaking is just information, it's knowledge, it's abstract. When you're singing, you're experiencing it. Every time you're experiencing it, it's new. It's fresh. It's exciting. It's happening now. The, uh, the Kuzri says, he says, the reason we pray every day, he compares it to the act of eating. Even though I ate yesterday, the Ganukshan, how much could you eat? The next day I'm hungry again. <laughs> what happened? Yesterday I had a full meal. Satisfying meal. A beautiful meal. Wholesome meal. Yeah, that was yesterday. Today I'm hungry again. You need to constantly nourish. Nourish your neshama. You need to constantly nourish yourself. You have to constantly awaken yourself and constantly nourish yourself. And Yes, yesterday was a good davening and yesterday was a good day and yesterday was a good meal, but today I need to rejuvenate myself again. It's constant. Now, it's interesting, we find in Tanakh, we find many in the, in the Bible, we find many examples of prayer, prayer throughout the Tanakh. We don't find anywhere that Adam prayed, we don't find anywhere that Noah prayed. Abraham is the first one we find that he prayed. And even the word prayer we find by Abraham. Abraham prayed for Avimelech, says, Vayispalel, he davened, he prayed for him. Isaac prayed, he prayed for, for when his wife was, uh, couldn't, couldn't, give, couldn't give birth um, they both prayed together and Hashem responded to their prayer um, the twins were born Yaakov and Esau Yaakov prayed he says Hashem please save me from my brother uh, Moshe's praying all the time many times 
for the Jewish people, for his sister, for Yeshua, prayed. Shmuel Hanavi, we find, prayed. King David, the whole Tehillim, the whole Psalm is one long prayer. Prayer and praises and Jonah, he's in the fish, praise. Elisha, praise. We find throughout the Bible, prayer. The only times we find prayer is when there was a specific need, which really is the basis for the majority opinion that the only biblical obligation to pray is when there's a need, when only God can help you. When there's no one else to turn to and only Hashem can help you, there's a mitzvah to pray and to pray to Hashem and ask Hashem, please help me. But however, the rabbis say no, that the, the, the patriarchs prayed all the time. They instituted the prayers. Abraham instituted the morning prayer and Isaac instituted the afternoon prayer and, and Yaakov. And that's how Rashi explains. It says when the Jewish people when they uh, left Egypt and the Egyptians were chasing them and they were checkmated. The seventh day of Pesach, the, the sixth day of Pesach, they were checkmated. And it says they cried out to Hashem. So previously when they were in Egypt, they cried out to Hashem because they, they were in a desperate situation. But here, here it makes no sense. Why are they crying out to Hashem? Hashem told them, I'm taking you out of Egypt and I'm bringing you to the land, to the Holy Land. And look, they just saw the miracles and the wonders and the plagues. So, make up your mind. You believe in Hashem? If you believe in Hashem, Hashem promised you. So what are you afraid of? If you don't believe in Hashem, what's the point of praying? So Rashi explains. They didn't pray because they didn't believe in Hashem. Or because there was a need to pray. He says, no. Because this is... This is the, the trade of the Jewish people. This is what Jews do. Jews pray. We're constantly praying. We are the praying people. This is what Abraham did, and he quotes with the rabbis say, Abraham instituted the morning prayer, and Isaac instituted in the, the afternoon prayer, we see in the Torah, and, and Yaakov instituted the evening prayer. So this is their trade. This is their profession. This is their profession. This is what Jews do professionally. This is our profession. What's your profession? Today everyone says, what's your profession? I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer. You ask a Jew what his profession is, I pray. <laughs> That's my profession. It's something I do all the time, every day. There's a need, there isn't a need. I pray. As Isaac said, Hakol kol Yaakov, the voice is the voice of Jacob, in the hands of the hands of Asa. This is our strength, this is our secret. The voice, the voice of Torah and the voice of prayer. And the non-Jews always knew this. There were many times in the past, history, when a king wanted to get something done, he would decree something against the Jews. He knew the Jews would storm heaven and earth. <laughs> and Hashem would answer their prayer. Not because he hated, he loved the Jews. And he believed in the Jews so much that he would pressure them just to get them to pray, to cry out to heaven. Because he knew when a Jew cries out to heaven, all bets are off. Miracles and wonders happen and prayers are answered and things happen. Things start happening. This is our strength. This is our profession. Prayer is our profession. This is so central to our life. It's so essential in our life. It's the prayer book. It's, it's, it captures, it captivates the hearts of Jews throughout the world and throughout the ages.
and it's a it's an honor it's a privilege and it's a it's very exciting to go on this journey to be able to discover the prayer book get to know the prayer book become intimate with the prayer book first and foremost to know the simple meaning of the words that we're saying and also with the deeper meaning but next week before we actually start the prayer book there's another there's a few questions that we first we should address first general questions Firstly, what does the word tefillah mean? Davin, what does the word davin mean? The word, the definition of the word. Why do we physically have to face Jerusalem? If we're praying to Hashem, Hashem is everywhere. Why do we physically, wherever we pray in the world, we physically face Jerusalem? And how can we call prayer servicing Hashem? After all, isn't prayer, first and foremost, praying for my needs? Isn't prayer very selfish? I'm praying for what I need. So how does that connect with servicing Hashem? Why is it important to daven with a minion? Why can't I daven alone, myself? Why is it important to daven in a shul? What's so important about a shul, a synagogue? Why do Jews shake when they daven? Why do they shackle? It's unique to the Jewish people, by the way. Most people, when they pray, they sit stiffly and they're lost in meditation. A Jew is shaking like a lulav, shaking back and forth, <laughs> right and left. Why? Also, why is it important to say the words of prayer? Not only do we say the words of prayer, if you don't say the words of prayer, you haven't daven. Why isn't it enough just for me to close my eyes and to meditate? Doesn't God know what I'm thinking? Shem knows everything. So what do we what do I have to bother to say the words? Shem, read my mind. What are the preparations for prayer? What's the proper preparation? What do we have to do before we even start praying? And, last but not least, why? Why pray altogether? How are we allowed to pray altogether? Don't we have faith that God knows what He's doing? And everything He does is good? And for our good? Don't we believe in divine providence down to the tiniest detail that everything Hashem is doing? He's doing for the good. He knows exactly what he's doing. You think Hashem who created the body, 37 trillion cells, can't figure out, is running this world down to the tiniest detail, sublime detail. Everything is precise and everything is... Hashem is running the world. Hashem knows exactly what he's doing. And whatever has to happen is exactly what is happening. So we're asking Hashem, I'm sorry, you know, I... We don't have confidence in the way he's running things. We don't have faith that he knows what he's doing. But what's the, how is prayer not a contradiction to faith? The Muslims, by the way, Islam comes from the word surrender. They don't believe in prayer. They believe God knows. Whatever God does is good. He knows what he's doing. They're fatalists. Jews are the exact opposite of fatalism. Prayer is the opposite of fatalism. We storm heaven and earth. We pray, we try to change, we ask Hashem, we petition, we cry, we beg. We ask Hashem to change things. But aren't they right? If you have faith in God, then just surrender. Whatever God does, He knows what He's doing. Everything is for the best. So these are some of the basic essential questions we should cover before we actually begin the prayer book. So next week we'll cover these questions. We'll open up to anyone who has any questions. You don't have to agree with anything that was said, by the way. I would like to. 
Yes, sir. I don't know if you mentioned it when you mentioned the city in Russia. Was this the, the place that the first Siddur was written? No, the first Siddur was written... We have a Siddur from the time of the Goinim, over a thousand years ago. It goes back in Babylonia, in Iraq. It goes back... And uh, do you know when was the first Siddur that included the Shema and the Shema and whatever? Yes, as we go in the prayer book, we're going we're gonna to... Each section and each prayer... The history, how it evolved, and when, when it started. Uh, the prayer in the Mishnah was a lot shorter than the prayer that we have. They didn't have the whole Psuki de Zimra. The Mishnah only talks, the, the mentions the Shema, the blessings of the Shema before and after. Doesn't, the whole thing that we have today, they didn't have that. That came later. So, and with time, the prayers became longer and longer. It's one of the things we discussed, why that is. That, that, that was intentional. And why today prayer is so essential for us, even more critical than ever. Because in order for us to fulfill our mission as Jews, without that conscious connection, without that heartfelt feeling, without experiencing godliness, it's impossible for us to fulfill our mission as Jews. How are we supposed to be a light unto the nation if we ourselves are not illuminated? If we don't feel that light within us and we don't experience that light within us, how can we possibly elevate the world if we ourselves are not elevated? When you're a prisoner, you cannot release yourself from prison. You can only release a prisoner from prison if you're the outsider. It's only when a Jew is able to step back and is able to be like the outsider, then we have the ability to bring light into the world, elevate the world, change the world, transform the world from its coarseness and darkness and crassness and make it a more gentle place, a more moral place, a more godly place, a kinder place. So it all, it all starts with us. It all begins in prayer. It all happens in prayer. That's where we change. That's where we come face to face with Hashem. That's the moment that we encounter Hashem. We experience godliness. That's when everything that we learn and study comes alive. It's not just abstract information, abstract knowledge. That's when it comes alive to us, where Judaism becomes a living, breathing, joyful reality in our daily lives. So it all happens in prayer. This is the furnace. This is the fire. This is where, this is where, all, this is where it all comes down to. That's why prayer is so essential. The Balshemtov and Hasidic movement just restored prayer to its proper place. Unfortunately, by the time the Baal Shem Tov came along, especially amongst the Ashkenazic Jews, prayer became you know, something you do very quickly, you finish before you start, and you get right back to the main event, which is the study and the scholarship and the learning, which is essential. There are three pillars in the Jew's life. But prayer is the center of it all. Without prayer... You don't have proper Torah study and you don't have the proper mitzvah. This is what makes it all come alive. The love, the joy, the faith becomes palpable, vibrant, genuine, inspiring, real, and very much alive. This is where we plug in. Prayer is where we plug in. The prayer book, this is the generator. You plug in and become alive. You 
can have a beautiful, beautiful... Uh, today you have these very fancy TVs, you know, it's all HD, but it's dark. If you don't plug it in, <laughs> there's no color, there's no sound, there's no light, it's dead. You plug it in, and all of a sudden, wow, it's dazzling. Prayer is when the Jew plugs in. Without prayer, the Torah is dead, the mitzvot are dead, our whole Judaism is dead. Prayer, it all comes alive.